Um, yeah, I was going to say something about the clock too, but the pastor beat me to it. <clears throat> but um, I, I did want to say just before I um, share a, a, a little bit shortened version of what I was thinking to share, um, I've always wanted to be part of a little church. And so it's so nice being here. I mean, I, I really, truly, honestly feel like church has already happened this morning, you know? Um, I love the sharing time, sharing our, our lives and our thankfulness. I love the stories, you know, the scriptures, the songs. I mean, this is coming together. This is being a family together in Jesus. And so I love it. I grew up going to Pioneer Memorial Church. And it has over 2,000 members. Then when I was in med school, we walked to the university church, and it has over 5,000 members. So it's a blessing to be here at the Crestline Church. Um, I love it. So, And thank you for, for the, the honor and the privilege to speak today. Um, if you don't mind, um, and with your permission, I'd like to start by singing a prayer to set the stage. So let's pray. May the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, be pleasing to you, and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you be pleasing to you oh lord my strength and my redeemer let the words of my mouth be pleasing to you be pleasing to you. Amen. So, um, it was very dark. I um, didn't actually, I don't think I've ever known darkness quite the way I knew it once I got to Malawi. Um, I don't know how many of you have taken a trip to um a place where there really aren't any lights or engines or sounds. Um, but that's kind of how Malawi was. And I don't know if it's because all those things weren't in the air or in, in the sky, but Malawi was really dark. Um, when I walked outside at night and I put my hand up in front of my face, I could not see it. I mean, it's darkness that you feel. Um, it's not darkness that you see. And it was... Um, new to me, and, and at first it made me a little bit hesitant to go outside at night, because um, I was used to being able to see something. I mean, I had gone to the Rocky Mountains, and it was dark there, but you have stars in the sky, and if you don't have stars, you have clouds, and maybe the moon's reflecting off them, and for some reason it just seemed a lot darker um, when we got to Malawi, but I came to love it, because this darkness really, I don't know, it helped you relax helped you to sleep, you know, no engines, no sounds, just a, a really good place to rest. So one night when we were in Malawi after dark, um, we were at home, and we'd been there about eight months, and it had been a little bit of a, a tough first year. Um, we'd had multiple episodes of theft, 
Um, we'd had some challenges trying to figure out how to get along with the other missionaries, and that happens to missionaries. I think any missionary will be honest and tell you that. Um, I had some hard time trying to figure out how to take care of patients in the hospital, and in Malawi, unfortunately, a lot of patients die, and so that's not easy as a healthcare provider. So it had been about eight, eight or nine months since we got in there. We were looking forward to going back to the United States in a couple months and just kind of hanging on. Um, and, and so this one evening, um, it was after dark, and, you know, the cats were hungry, so they hadn't been fed. So I went to go and get them some food in our washroom, and I realized, well, um, they had been fixing something in the washroom, and so there wasn't the cat food. They had moved it, and I said, hey, Shalina, do you know where they took the cat food? And she said, oh, I think it's out in the garage. And so I said, okay. So I started to go out in the garage, and I, I heard a little something in the garage. When I went out there, I said, oh, um, it's probably a cat or something. Um, and then I, I heard a little something else. I thought, huh, well, I'm going to go over there and just see what's going on. And um, this is completely unrelated, but I had never had a cell phone until I got to Malawi. But I had one. Um, by then, it was little candy bar phones, what they call them. The LED light was probably a quarter or less of, as bright as this phone. But that's what I had. You know, I was kind of looking around, see what's going on in the garage. You know, my garage was a disaster like yours. Thankfully, I didn't fall on my face. But um, I was kind of looking around, see where that cat was, or maybe it was something else. It would be more exciting, like a rat or some African wild animal. And um, I... Saw a foot. I was like, oh, that's a foot in my garage. I was like, uh, I don't, that's not my shoe, you know? And then I kind of like, ah, and there's a leg attached to it. I got about to the knee and I went back down. And then I went back in. <laughs> and I went back into my house and I thought, wow, it feels really dark. And I said, um, Shalina, <laughs> there, there's a foot in our garage. <laughs> and she said, a what? I said, there's somebody in our garage. And she said, really? I said, yeah. I said, call Marty. Marty was the CEO who lived next door. So she tried calling the CEO. He wasn't home. I closed the door. I locked the door. Um, we called some other friends who just happened to have some other big friends who were over there having a party. And they came over, and when there were about eight or ten of us, we turned on the lights, and we opened the door, and guess what we found? There was a man attached to the foot, and he was hiding in our garage. Um, he was not a violent person, as most Malawians are not violent but it was still enough to make us feel a little uneasy. Um, and, and made me very aware of, of a different feeling in the darkness, um, a feeling of fear. Because I think most of us know that, that darkness carries that feeling of fear. At least it can. It doesn't have to, but it can. Um, this story and, and lots of other experiences in life, as well as many stories in the Bible, um, have made me think about um, this idea of 
darkness. And I wanted to spend just a few minutes talking about it, and then more time talking about light. So I was wondering, um, I do have quite a few Bible verses, and I think my kids would probably go to sleep if I read them all. Um, could we, could I get a few volunteers? I've got about four. Um, okay, okay, we got one, two, three, four. Thank you. Okay, um, number one, Isaiah 60, verse 2. Jedediah, Isaiah 60, verse 2. Let's see, uh, was it Ben? Um, and then uh, Isaiah 9, verse 2. That's a good one for the season right around the corner. Isaiah 9, verse 2. Uh, and then coming down to, where are we? Uh, Hilda, John 8, 44. And then Dan, um, if you could read 1 John 3, 8. Um, we'll just kind of do this kind of quick. There's a, a fairly common theme running through these verses. Um, we could spend probably the whole time on any one of them, but I just wanted to set the background of this, this picture. Um, okay, Jedediah, you ready? Okay, stand up and read loud, son. Thank you, Jedediah. Okay, so there's thick darkness in this earth. Um, do you think this was just back in Isaiah's time, maybe 2,800 years ago? I think we would say that darkness is still here, um, unfortunately, and, and maybe not in all the same ways, um, but we still have darkness in this world. Okay, um, Isaiah 9, verse 2. Amen. So this is a, um, a beautiful passage, passage of the Messiah. Um, the darkness is there, but the light is coming. Thank goodness. Light is coming to this darkness. So, so reading these verses, I, I guess what I'm wondering is, okay, what is this darkness? What is this light? Um, maybe we can think about it a little more, go, go just a little bit deeper. Um, the next verse might um, um, help us. Thank you, Hilda. Okay, I'm sorry. This is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. I, I didn't want to take time to read the whole passage. Sorry. <laughs> Keep going. Thank you, Hilda. So, talking about the darkness, um, I think we can see a little development of that idea here. Jesus talking to the Pharisees and saying, they were actually arguing about who, who Jesus' father was, and Jesus said, my father, God, is not your father. Um, your father is the devil, because he's a murderer and, and the father of lies, um, because he's been lying since the beginning. Kind of an interesting thought, these lies. Okay, um, so, and that's kind of where this is going. Um, a good question. I wanted to ask that question. Could these lies have something to do with this darkness? Okay, um, 1 John 3, 8. Let's keep going. Reason the Son of God appeared was to 
Amen. Okay, so maybe in some different terms now, he who um, sins is of the darkness and the devil. So I think we can all say that sin is a problem here in this world. Um, that's easy for us to see. But is, is behavior the only problem? I think we would say it goes beyond behavior, right? Behavior is just those hands on the clock. Thank you for the story, Ben. Our behaviors are the hands on the clock, but there's something inside that drives those behaviors. Right? There's something inside that turns the hands. What is it, and, and how can we get it right? Maybe I would suggest it's the darkness inside of us that drives the behaviors that we don't want, and that there is a solution to that, and it is the light. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and read one, um, two, and this is John chapter 12, verse 44 to 46. And this is Jesus talking, um, John chapter 12, verses 44 to 46, and he says, Then Jesus cried out, this is the last week of his life, and Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying, I've come as a light. When you've seen me, you've seen the one who sent me, and I've come so you don't have to stay in this darkness. It's a way out of the darkness. Yes, the dark behaviors, but maybe out of a darkness from the lies that drive the behavior. That's what I would suggest this morning. Um, one more verse um, in Hebrews chapter 1. Um, just to, to build the case that Jesus is this light and he is solving this dark problem for us. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And it says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of the Father's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Um, so who is the Son? The exact representation of God. God, throughout history, had been talking to people through his prophets. That's what Hebrews is saying. He's trying to explain things, trying to tell people things. But now, in these last days, he's spoken to us, to us through his son, the greatest light. And the son came to help clear up these dark lies about God. Um, I'd like to talk about a story for just a minute. Um, the story is in John chapter 9. Um, it's probably a familiar story. Uh, there was a man who was born blind. And um, I'm not going to take the time to read all the verses, but, you know, if you're blind, the, the world's pretty dark. You're not seeing anything. You can't see the colors, can't see the details. Um, and, and the world is dark. And so this blind man, um, they saw, and Jesus' disciples asked him, he said, they said, Lord, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So, you know, it's an interesting question. Um, I would suggest that, that this darkness that we're talking about is implied in this question. That the, the disciples had some of this dark reasoning and these lies because they were asking him, Lord, who sinned? 
okay? This, this man being blind is a direct result of sin, and they didn't say it here, but the common, almost universal understanding at the time was this blindness was a direct result of the sin of somebody that God had inflicted. And so who was it um, that God, why was it that God inflicted this blindness on this man? It's kind of the unspoken question, but they're saying, was it this man's behavior or his parents' behavior? Um, and Jesus said, a very interesting response. I wondered about this response for years. And Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this has happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. And if you, got, you, you got the picture all wrong, guys. Um, this blindness is not a, a penalty that's inflicted on this man for his sin or his parents' sin. Um, this blindness is a result of the darkness in this world. But it's going to be used to glorify God. He didn't, he didn't make, you know, the consequences of sin in this world a, a punitive act of God. I think it's very clear to us today that the blindness, all the different illnesses we have, the sickness that I see every day, um, but the, that does come to this world, those are the, the natural consequences of what has gone before for millennium. I mean, we, as a human race, have the results of sin in this world. That's what happens, but it's not inflicted by God. He's, he's not reaching down to, to curse people. Um, this is just the way things are in this world because of the darkness. But in the middle of all that, what's the good news? Jesus said the good news is those things, those very things, those illnesses and sicknesses can be for God's glory because they show God's work in this world. In this world. I mean, one of the darkest lies that we have um, is that it is God who causes people to get sick. I mean, just think about all the implications of that. That's what the disciples were asking. It was like, Jesus, why did God make this man sick? And Jesus said, you guys don't understand. God didn't make this man sick. It's going to be to his glory when he heals him. We see this every day. We don't have to look far see this situation and this darkness. Um, I wanted to take just a moment and, and just share a, a quote from one of my favorite authors, one of the founders of our church, Ellen White. Um, this is from Desire of Ages, um, chapter, or verse, or the first chapter, um, page 22. And it says, um, speaking about this whole situation in, in the world, the earth was dark through mis misapprehension of God. Misapprehension is kind of a big word, I'm still not sure I know exactly what it means. Um, apprehension would mean that you're nervous about something. Misapprehension would mean you're maybe nervous about something, but you don't know what. Um, we're afraid and we're not really sure. I mean, I, I can relate to that feeling. I've felt that. You're afraid something's wrong, but we're not really sure what. She's saying the earth was dark because we feel that way towards God. That the gloomy shadows might be lightened that the world might be brought back to God, Satan's deceptive power was to be broken. She's talking about deception and the lies. This could not be done by force. The exercise of force is contrary to the principles of God's government. He desires only the service of love, and love cannot be commanded. It cannot be won by force or authority. 
Only by love is love awakened. So what's God going to do? He, he has a world who, who has believed a lie about him ever since Eden. And, um, since people were, you know, Adam and Eve were told that God didn't love them or want what was best for them. Um, he's going to bring the light. And, and that light is going to take away the darkness um, because that's the way light and darkness work. Uh, when we turn on the lights in this room, it's kind of hard to be dark. When we turn on the lights in our garage, it wasn't much of a place for the thief to hide. Um, that's the way light works. And, and just like those verses we read, when Jesus came into this world, the light of the universe was turned on. It wasn't just... It wasn't just um, our world that saw it for the first time. I think there were things that were seen by the angels and others um, that were known for the first time. So only by love is love awakened. To know God is to love him. His character must be manifested in contrast to that of Satan. So you see light and darkness. The light is coming on. Jesus is coming. So going back to our blind man, um, you know, Jesus, who sinned? You guys just don't get it. You got it all backwards. Um, this an enemy has done this, and in the middle of this darkness, in both the thoughts and beliefs, as well as the behaviors of these people, I am here working to bring light and healing. That is God's work in this world. And he goes on to say, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming, when no man can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So, um... So you guys don't understand, but you're going to learn that I'm the light of the wor world. As John, one of his disciples, who was maybe asking this question, would later say, now we know the truth, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all, because Jesus is the outshining of who he is. Jesus showed us everything. There's no dark side that we missed. Jesus showed us God, and in him there is no darkness whatsoever. So Jesus didn't just say these good words, then he bent over, spit on the ground, and he healed the man, and, and, and demonstrated the exact words that he had just said. He had said, this is going to be to God's glory, and he did exactly what he needed to do in that situation to make it for God's glory. Then, of course, you know, the darkness comes into the picture, and the Pharisees are saying, well, who healed you, and why do you do it on Sabbath? And the man's saying, I don't know. <laughs> All I know is I can see. And then they ask the man, is, you know, his parents, okay, call him the parents, because, you know, maybe they'll give him, you know, some evidence or incriminate somebody. And the parents said, no, he's an adult, you know, just ask him. Um, <laughs> he's an I mean, they didn't say anything, because they were afraid. Um, and then finally Jesus comes and, and comes back to the man. And, and he says, you know, well, going back just a little bit. So this man said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. Um, I, I think this happens all the time, you know. The, the, this world is confused, you know. What exactly is the absolute truth? They don't know. But if we come in contact with people and they've been blessed by us, that is something that they know from experience. I mean, we can argue about teachings and doctrines and, you know, um, the history of the world. I mean, there, there are so many different arguments we could have with people, and there's a place to uphold what is true. But one thing they can't 
argue with is if we've been a blessing to them. I remember um, when I was younger, um, in a very different church, I was on the church board. They wanted to include the young people, which was good. Um, Unfortunately, I was included in a church board that was trying to move out of the church, uh, one of the most influential spiritual mentors of my life. And the way the church board meeting began was, Brothers and sisters, there's not a family in our community that has reached out more to those who have needed help than this family. But then they went on to say why this family needed to be moved out of the church. And I sat there and thought, you know, um, that's a testimony in itself. When we feed the hungry, when we clothe those who are naked, when we do all the things the Bible's full about saying that we're supposed to do, people cannot argue with that. That is the light. That is God's kingdom moving forward in this world. And, and Jesus did it. He said, you get to do it too. Um, and so anyway, these Pharisees were, you know, just so upset with him. And, you know, the man was probably still a little bit afraid of them. But he was also saying, but I can still see, <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, even though you guys are upset about this, I was blind and now I see. Um, you can argue about whether this man's a sinner or not. I'm not going to I'm not going to go there cuz you're the Pharisees but I was blind and now I see. So then in uh, verse 35 Jesus heard that they had thrown him I mean he got he got excommunicated that day for being healed by Jesus he got thrown out of church. And Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and when he found him he said, "Do you believe in the son of man?" "Who is he, sir?" the man asked. "Tell me that I may believe." And Jesus said, "You have now seen him." You know, it's now not just hearing. Now you have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. You know, Jesus didn't just talk to, in theory. Jesus demonstrated healing. He demonstrated that God's work in this world is healing. When we look at the life of Jesus, which Hebrews would say was the exact representation of who our God is, we see a life given for the good of others. We see a life in which he spent more time healing than even talking about teachings and doctrines. Um, He demonstrated the light because that was the most effective way to um, drive out the darkness. And, And in doing that, he brought eternal life within reach of each one of us. Um, Because he said in John 17, 3, um, as my kids can tell you, probably one of my favorite verses, Jesus said, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So this light doesn't just um, drive out the darkness. It brings eternal life. Because if we know and love and trust God, who can stand against us? Who can, who can stand against him? If he has restored the trust that we lost in Eden, we, we, we will become like him. Um, 1 Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians 3.18, a verse that we all know. Um, by beholding that love, we are changed into the same image. That veil that was there in the Old Testament with Moses when he was shining, it's not there anymore. We got the full glory of God that we saw in the face of Jesus. When we see that, when that lights us up, um, we're going to be changed. 
into the same image. We'll become just like him. And so um, just to kind of wrap things up, um, I wanted to share one, one more quote from Christ's Object Lessons because this light, um, this goodness, this, this good news of God um, isn't just things we talk about. It's really the end time message for this world. Um, I mean, Revelation's a real exciting book, uh, and so is Daniel. But, but the end time message is the message that goes forward when we bring the light into people's life that they cannot argue about. When they say, you know, whether these people got it right or not, we don't know, but we were blind and now we see, or, you know, we couldn't walk and they helped us. Um, but Christ's Object Lessons, page 415, says, um, talking about those waiting for the bridegroom, those who wait for the bridegroom's coming are to say to the people, behold your God. The last rays of merciful light, the last message of mercy to be given to the world is a revelation of his character of love. Is he going to do that? He's going to do it, but how is he going to do it? It's not just going to show up in the clouds. It's not going to be a movie that people are going to watch. He already did it through Jesus, but now we're talking about the end of the world and the last message of mercy. The children of God are to manifest his glory. It's the same message, it's the same light, but we now have the privilege of being the conduits through which it flows. How does it flow? It flows through tangible actions, those things that people cannot argue with, caring for those who need love, um, which is something God demonstrated, wasn't it? I mean, Jesus demonstrated that when he was here on earth. Um, like he said in Matthew 5, 14, that we will be the light of the world when we do those things. Um, so this light... Um, this, this goodness of God, which is going forward and, and changing hearts and minds, is something that will never change. It is the eternal gospel. And I wanted to share, um, this is kind of the closing thought. This blew my mind the first time I read it, and um, maybe it's already happened to you, but if not, I want to share it. Um, this is talking about the end of time again. So Jesus talking, saying, Be dressed and ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, the light like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes with the light. I tell you the truth. He will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. Wow. Did you guys catch that? Is there something in this story that doesn't quite seem right? Um, he's talking about being ready, and of course, the bridegroom's coming. But he says, for those who have their lights burning, those who are moving his love and his kingdom forward in the world, that he is going to come, dress himself to serve, and wait on them. Now, you know, this shouldn't be surprising. Jesus did this, didn't he? The outshining of God's glory, the exact representation of his person. He did this to his disciples. He washed their feet. We know that story very well. Unfortunately, sometimes I think we, we think of that story as he did it as an example. You know, he, he did this as an example. You know, we should be humble. Um, I would suggest that's um, not the whole truth. I think it was an example. But he didn't just do this as an example. He did this as God. God is the unwearied servant of the universe. We see him on a throne. The Bible pictures him on a throne. 
But when he came to earth to demonstrate who he was, he didn't sit on a throne. He didn't even have a house. And, and even when he comes again, when there's no need for an example of humility, when there's no need for you know, teaching us how to be humble, um, he's still going to put on the clothes to serve, and he's going to wait on us and wash our feet. That is the light. That is who God is. He is a God of love, and that is what love means. He's a humble servant to the universe, just like Jesus was when he came and spent his time on this earth. It's our privilege to work with him. It's our privilege to go out and share that light, um, and we will. Um, the more we come to know him, the more light we will share. Why don't we pray? Dear Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you that you're a God of love, even though that could not change no matter what we thought. Thank you that that love is going forward in this world in the middle of this darkness and that you've chosen to use us. Thank you for the promise one day that it will um, overtake all and that, that one day your light and your love will be all that's left. But until then, there's still work for us to do. We're asking for your help that we would be kind and loving and full of light, just like Jesus was when he was here on earth. In your name we pray, amen.